Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. And I think more women need to be at the table in this space, investing in things that maybe women understand and that can connect with other women in ways that men can't. And in trying to do venture differently. I'm unwilling to give up. That I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get... Knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, it's Kara Golden from Unstoppable, and I'm so excited to have our next guest here, Sarah Dusick, a friend of mine and fellow EY entrepreneur and part of the Winning Women program that I love so fondly at EY. She is the co-founder of this incredible destination travel company called Under Canvas, and I encourage you to look it up if you have not been there or not heard of it. They have the most amazing kind of glamping experiences in all the places that you maybe 
like have been to or ones that you haven't been to. I went last year and spent some time, luckily when Sarah was there as well, up in South Dakota. And I'm sure she can share a little bit more about all of her various locations. But it's basically, it's the leading U.S. adventure hospitality company offering luxury glamping accommodation, just minutes. They purposely have placed these places just minutes from iconic national park sites, which is so great. And in 2017, under her leadership, they received a spot on the coveted Inc. 5000 list, which is so awesome. And as I mentioned, she's an EY entrepreneur winning women. And which which year was that? 20? I was also 2017, actually. 2017. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That was a big year for you. And, you know, they've done just so much in terms of like setting a standard for ecological development while, you know, also redefining experiential hospitality. And I mean, just amazing, amazing, amazing. So she also launched an incredible group venture in South Africa. It's a, it's a, a private investment fund focused on investing in women-led businesses in South Africa, and it's called Enigma Ventures. We're going to hear more about that. She's also committed to helping grow scalable, sustainable businesses that have the power to transform communities, cities, and nations. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very excited to have you here. So first, let's talk about Under Canvas. Like, How did this all come about? Yeah, Under Canvas was born just over a decade ago now. Another, it feels like another lifetime ago. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it's that. It was a decade ago. Wow. A decade ago, yeah, 2009, so 11 years. We first had this crazy idea. I've always been a passionate Africa lover, and so our, our current work is a continuation of that love and our Under Canvas work was a continuation of that love. But we had this idea to bring the African safari experience to the US. And back in 2009, I know it's hard to believe, but glamping was not a thing. Glamping operations did not exist at all across the US. And so we were the pioneers of bringing glamping to the US, this idea of being out in unique boutique, different types of accommodation, being part of nature, and being in a more sustainable and experiential type of lodging. So we uh, pioneered the safari experience in the US, which was an incredible adventure and one we had no idea would take us on the adventure that it did. Um, but we spent a decade building Under Canvas, and Under Canvas is still growing wildly today. I mean, in, even in 2020, in the in COVID, you know, the worst year we could possibly have imagined yeah. what we wanted to do all summer. They've wanted to be out in nature, be in our national parks and have extraordinary outdoor adventures. And we've been very privileged to be part of people's adventures this summer and every summer for the last decade. So your first one was where in the US? It was uh, Yellowstone National Park. So we pioneered a tiny little camp in Yellowstone in 2012 was our first national park camp. And we had no idea at that moment in time whether people would be open to the idea of sleeping in tents in a national park. 
obviously nice tents, glamorous tents, tents with hot water and real beds and wood stoves and everything provided for you. But it was just an experiment. And what we discovered that first year was that everybody loved it. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. 
I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. It's so amazing. I had never been to Mount Rushmore. And when you sent out the invitation to a whole group of us and the Badlands, those were like on my bucket list to go and see. And so I took you up on it and I knew you weren't right next to Mount Rushmore, but my view from my tent, I could see it at night. I was in, you know, not all of them have this view, but a few of them have these incredible views. So when there was light on Mount Rushmore, I mean, it was just surreal. It was so awesome. And I still, I just ran across a photo in my phone the other day of, you know, the Buffalo and, and the Badlands. And I mean, that was just such an incredible experience. And also just, you know, the people that we were with, I've told so many people, in fact, you're on my Facebook page and people will be like, oh my gosh, I, I discovered this like, you know, incredible place in the Grand Canyon or up in Yellowstone or Zion or, and I'm like, my friend has started that company. I'm so proud of her. And, but again, like the feeling, what I think is so interesting and really like this just speaks to kind of the longevity of the brand that you built is when people use the word discover, it's a very positive like word, right? It's like, they're very proud. Like when you have a negative like feeling, you don't say I discover something. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just very natural to kind of roll off your tongue. I discovered something. Secret gem, isn't it? It's like finding something you almost don't want anyone else to find out about because it's your special thing that you just discovered. I, I totally agree. But they all did. And I tagged you on it, like, because I thought, I mean, it's something that I've heard over and over again with my own brand, Hint. And like when people, you know, not only the water, but the deodorant and the sunscreen, I mean, people would be like, oh my God, I discovered this. And I mean, that is like a kudos statement, like from the consumer. And they don't even realize they're saying it. It's not even something that you could, you know, ask them, be sure to say you discovered it. It's like, anyway, I think it's so incredible what you've built. So again, Zion, the one I really want to go to is in the 
Smoky Mountains. I'm dying to go to that one. And I drove through there actually, I don't know, it was probably almost 10 years ago or maybe a little more than that. I don't think you guys were were functioning out there yet. Yeah. And it just absolutely incredible. And also, I also tell people that most of your sites have food and the food was awesome and micro brews. You try and get like as local food as possible and drinks as possible, which I think is just absolutely awesome. So I just, the experience is great. If you guys haven't seen it, I mean, it or been there, definitely go up and some tents have bathrooms. Mine had a bathroom and a shower and a, you know, little stove to, it was a little chilly at night. It was amazing. And the beds were super lovely. And yeah, I mean, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. So I'm happy that you helped me discover it, but it was definitely really great. So you built it into a multi-million dollar business. Would you say, what was kind of the key to growth? Wow. I think one of the things that we discovered early on in our journey was this idea of, we often talk about this whole idea of product market fit, right? It's kind of this elusive idea of creating a product that the market wants. Mm -hmm. And we felt like we stumbled into an area of travel that was really unexplored and undeveloped in the US. And we had this enormous white space and this enormous privilege in front of us to really craft a product that would fill a space that didn't exist. So I think when I think about what fueled our growth, it really was consumer demand. What we learned about travel through the last recession um, and the great financial crisis in 2007 and eight. What we discovered about Americans at that time was that they, instead of traveling overseas, much like has happened this year, they traveled to the national parks. And Mm -hmm. America is an extraordinary place. We have some of the most beautiful landscapes anywhere in the world and such diverse terrain and beautiful, iconic places that are so different and so varied. And so we looked, you know, our path to growth and thought, where are the obvious places for us to go? And we had created a camp in Yellowstone. And obviously the the obvious path for us was to keep being in iconic national places Mm -hmm. where people were going that were bucket list places that were really iconic and were for us great outdoor destinations. And so we built our brand around being in some of America's most treasured places. A bit like you were saying, these places were discovered And how do we add another element of creating incredible experiences whilst being in them and experiencing them? So having a clear path to how we were going to grow the business, where were we going to be? Where was our kind of place? What was our product and what was our market fit? And our product was our extraordinary tents and our market fit was putting them in great outdoor destinations. And in the US, that meant national parks. So I think that created our our path for growth and and set us on a journey, quite frankly, we hadn't planned on going on, but became, it was like, we have an opportunity. So how do we take advantage of it? And how do we build something that that is beloved and helps create experiences like nothing else really does? 
Did you feel like there was one particular audience that kind of drove like the popularity, you know, initially? Who were your like early adopters that came in to try your and really like articulated that it was, I mean, was it families? Was it millennials? Was it, who did you think like were the first people that kind of showed up? Our, our biggest consumer were two groups and they still are largely and they were millennials and families. But when we designed under Canvas, and I say this to entrepreneurs all the time now, is if you're understanding your customer, it so helps if you are that customer. Totally. With like your own your own journey with Hint, that was the same for us too with Under Canvas. We built Under Canvas for our family. And so mm-hmm. you have dogs, you can bring your dogs to Under Canvas because we have dogs and we love traveling with our own dogs and taking them places and being out on adventures with them. We have children. I have two small boys and they were really, really small when we started Under Canvas. So we understood the challenges of traveling with small children. So and how difficult being in hotel rooms can be with small children. So we built our product around us as a family. And what worked for us, we wanted to find in a a resort for our own family. What became important about food, our own preferences, our own desires, our own ethos became the sort of the hallmark of what Under Canvas stood for and stands for. So we we very much for our own consumer and that drove you know and I, I often think that helps you craft a product that other people will want obviously we considered ourselves to be a fairly average family you know we understood what the an average family could afford to pay for a stay at a resort we understood what we wanted when we stayed there we understood our own desires and preferences and what mattered to us And we crafted our business around those things. And I think that really helped us appeal to A, a wide audience and and B, a big family market. That's awesome. What happens when the dogs have been meaning to ask you this, when you go off into, you know, go explore the national parks? Because I think a lot of the national parks don't actually allow dogs in them, right? Like you have to you can take your dog into a national park, but you can only go on some trails on some hikes and they have to stay on the path and they have to be on a leash. Got it. So it does vary from park to park. But what we discovered even just being around the parks, there are so many places you can go with dogs outside parks, around parks, even in parks. But obviously in parks with dogs is slightly more challenging. They're not quite free to be free. Yeah, no, definitely. What were some of the challenges? Because your tents obviously, you know, are are not always there throughout the, the year because of the weather. Like, is it tough to sort of open and close places up? I mean, did you find not only from a infrastructure, but also from, you know, hiring and building community? Like, did you feel like a lot of your people came back year after year or... Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, well, one of the added dimensions, obviously, of building a tented camp is that you don't build your hotel and it's one and done. You have yeah. to put it up and take it down every year. And weather is absolutely the, the biggest nemesis of, of a tent company, effectively. So that's that's super challenging. But what we quickly discovered about our teams was that we developed our own tribe. So mm-hmm. effectively, our people we have a whole group of people who set up and take down tents. That's all they do all year round. They travel around the country, taking up and putting up our tents. And they do that for events and they do that for our permanent camps as well. And there's a certain 
character. There's a certain type of person who wants to do that, wants to do that kind of work. And they became our tribe. But it's a huge skill. It's a huge ordeal. And it's like pretty much opening and closing a brand new hotel every year, 10 times over. The advantage is I feel like you can, you don't have to do a big remodel, right? Like you're, you know, the whole idea of wear and tear and maybe, I don't know, you just figure out which tents are not. Yeah, exactly. Right. Take the ones down that didn't make it through the summer and you put new ones up the next year. Yeah. Well, I am so impressed by what you've done. So in terms of, you know, the fundraising journey and how that influenced what you're doing now, I mean, talk to me a little bit about you know, your experience with building under Canvas, but then how that really, you know, parlayed into doing Enigma Ventures. Yeah. I mean, one of the things about scaling any business is it requires capital and businesses need money to grow. Mm -hmm. And you can grow slowly organically, or you can put capital into the business and grow more exponentially. And we really knew we had something and that we wanted to grow the business faster than our cash flow would allow. And so, we set out to try and raise capital through the course of, of growing under Canvas. We bootstrapped for a very long time, but by about 2017, we were ready to really exponentially grow the business. But I don't know about your, your own journey, Kara, with raising money for Hint, but I found my fundraising journey really painful. And what I discovered was we weren't tech We were in a market that really nobody understood at the time and really nobody really knew that it was a thing. Mm -hmm. It was just beginning to to become a popular thing. And we were obviously the market leaders, but it was a really unknown concept. So it was unproven. It was unusual. We had unusual real estate, which, you know, it wasn't really a real estate business, but we involved having pieces of real estate to obviously operate our business on. I found it a painful journey to raise capital. And one of the things I've learned about raising capital is, is unfortunately, a lot of it depends on who you know and how well connected you are. And as a female founder who didn't go to an American school, didn't have a big, I'm British originally, and so didn't have a big network in the US, didn't have the connections that I really needed to talk to the right people. And so every time I met investors they were typically men. Um, I think I met one one female investor on my on my journey to raise capital, and I just felt like I didn't look right. I didn't talk right. I didn't have the right lingo for communicating in ways people wanted to understand. And my business didn't really fit in the mold of what a lot of venture capitalists look for. And I just I constantly kept. I just had this feeling which was, I think this can be done differently. Mm-hmm. I think that the plat- the access here is not equal or everyone is not created equal in this space. And I certainly felt like, not that I was at a disadvantage, but that I just wasn't connected enough to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it was tough. It was really tough. And when I did get term sheets to the table, I felt frustrated about their, what was in them. Mm-hmm. And how inequitable they generally felt, you know, the value of the investor over the entrepreneur was a constant sort of power struggle piece. And I just, it started a journey in my own mind of thinking about when I'm done building under canvas and I've sold under canvas, 
I think I should be an investor. I think I've got something to contribute in this eco space. And I think more women need to be at the table in this space, investing in things that maybe women understand and that can connect with other women in ways that men can't. And in trying to do venture differently, in thinking about, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I heard so many times, this is just market, this term is market, this is what this is the way this is done. This is you have to accept this, or you know, there is no deal to be done here. And I just I found that incredibly frustrating, mm-hmm. incredibly belittling in a lot of ways, because here I was feeling like, gosh, I'm the entrepreneur and I'm creating all the value for you. Yeah. And your revenue stream depends on me yeah. and growing my business and being successful. But yet I feel like we're not starting out at an equal, an equal footing here. And so it just started a journey of thinking about, I think we can do venture differently. And I think there's place at the table here for more women to be investors and more women at the table will change the way that money flows. It will change what gets invested in and what doesn't get invested in and and might start to make a dent in what becomes market by because of how deals look and, and what becomes more normal in the space. So the criteria, so you start at Enigma Ventures. So the criteria, you're raising your fund right now. And what is the criteria for investments right now? Yeah. So so we launched Enigma Ventures on the back of selling a majority share of Under Canvas in 2018. And we launched Enigma in 2019, the end of 2019, with this idea to invest in women. And our focus has been to invest in women in Southern Africa. So I said, my my passion has been Africa for 20 odd years. And so we're back focused on Africa. And when we looked at what was happening on the continent, we saw that, you know, the stats around only 2% of all venture funding is going to women in the US. 2% of $132 billion a year is going to women. A really small number. But only 1% of the amount of capital being deployed in the US is being deployed across the whole continent of Africa. So you've got a gender gap and you've also got a funding gap. So, you know, when we talk about people being left behind. We've got a whole continent being left behind because the amount of money is just not being deployed here. And what we all know about what creates healthy economies is thriving businesses. And we've obviously seen the US struggle this year. Many businesses have had to lay a lot of people off. But what makes the world go round is people being employed, people having jobs, and businesses creating those jobs. And so what you've got in Africa is a massive shortage of small businesses, small and medium-sized businesses. And what does it take to create small and medium-sized businesses? It takes capital. And what does it take to create, to put capital and takes investors and investments? And so we looked at the space and thought, gosh, there's hardly anyone investing down here. The amount of capital being deployed across the whole continent is minuscule. It's 1% of what's being deployed in the US. And then you've got a gender gap. But what you've got is a huge talent pool of capable, creative women and men, actually, with incredible ideas to transform their own countries and their own continents and to create jobs and to create infrastructure and build their nations from the ground up. But what they don't have is capital. So 
<laughs> we came to the table in 2019 and said, let's do something about that. Let's put our knowledge of how to scale and grow and build a business from our own journey of doing just that. And let's put our own thesis about investing in women and creating access to capital for those who don't have access, don't have networks, don't have resources to the test and see if we can invest in women and see if we can help build extraordinary, scalable, amazing businesses and brands. I love it. And so are you focused on, obviously, sort of industry and category, it sounds like agnostic, but the founder needs to be a woman. Yeah. And what stage are you kind of focused on? Yeah, so seed stage, so early stage, usually the business is one or two, maybe three years old. So they're proven revenue, they've got a proven business model, but that if we could put capital to work, they could exponentially scale their business. So they have to have a scalable idea. They have to have an idea that has the potential to really, really exponentially explode, take off. So obviously tech platforms are interesting in that space, but consumer goods also really, really interesting in that space. And we've got some edu tech that we're looking at and have invested in. We've got some financial services. We've got some consumer goods. We've got a variety of some food, food products actually also in there. I love it. A variety of business models and sectors of business, but all of them have the same premise that they've got a big market and they've got a big opportunity. They've got some big blue sky in front of them and that they just need to be able to execute on it. And usually that requires capital. I love this. So what drives you every day? I mean, this is a, you know, this is like doing a startup all over again, right? It's like back 10 years when you were starting under Canvas. I mean, you're... Yeah, it's like having 10 startups all at once. (laughs) Yeah. So instead of having one startup to focus, you've got many startups to focus with investments in each one of them. And at the same time, building our our own company, Enigma, our own investment firm. So... It's exciting. I think what it's always driven me is this idea of being on a learning journey. I get pretty bored unless my learning curve is kind of vertical. So I'm definitely back on a vertical learning curve, which is exciting, daunting, terrifying, all at the same time. But it kind of, maybe I'm just a weird, perverse adrenaline seeker because this is some kind of, you know, weird <laughs> challenge that I set myself on. But certainly what drives me is this idea of making the world better. It is this thing that kind of eats me alive, if you like, with feeling like I think I can contribute to moving the world forward. I think I can make a difference. I think I can drive change. I think what we do can make an impact. I think of the world moving forward in terms of clicks. It's really hard to move the world forward, right? It's really hard to drive change, but we can make step-by-step incremental teeny tiny changes that ultimately will all add up and so what drives me is just this idea of how do we get a click yeah how do we how do we change one thing that wasn't normal before and for under canvas that was like experiential outdoor eco lodging wasn't a thing it's now a really big thing it's a really big industry it's a you know multi multi billion dollar industry every single year right now yeah it's a click you've moved the world forward and so so that's really what gets me out of bed in the morning and makes us think, how do, we, how do we drive change? How do we make things better? How do we change the world that we live in so that our children and their children and their children after them 
live in a better world than we do today. Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur, investor? I mean, did you actually think like this is what I was going to go do? No, it never even crossed my mind. And I started my professional career working for nonprofits. I have always known that I'm a save the world kind of person. Yeah. I have always known that I cared and sometimes cared a little bit too much because I'm I'm all in on everything that I do. But I had never thought about the idea of business or being entrepreneurial or being an investor. That's been a, a huge journey for me because the idea of saving the world by building businesses kind of was like crazy, crazy thought. And so when I started my early career in my, in my 20s, I was working for non-government organizations, first in Africa and then in Southeast Asia. And I thought that you had to work for a nonprofit if you wanted to do good. If you wanted to do good things in the world, you certainly weren't going to make money. I thought that too. Yeah. It's like the dark side. You don't go over to the darkness if you want to do good. Yeah. But what I discovered was that aid agencies and non-government organizations, as wonderful as they are, are usually just bandaging a problem. So you're usually just trying to trying to plug all the holes where all the water is leaking out and, and help in an immediate situation and stick a band-aid on something to fix it in the short term. What it never what they never ever did was get to the root of a problem. And aid agencies aren't designed to solve big world problems. The vehicle that is designed to solve big world problems are businesses. If you think of the very premise of what a business does, it solves a problem, it creates an innovative solution, a sustainable solution, because you have to be able to generate income through it. So therefore, it becomes sustainable to think about solving a problem. And only business does that. Government doesn't do that. Nonprofits don't do that. Only business does that. And so business is this incredibly powerful vehicle for driving change. And and even, you know, for example, the work you're doing now with clean water, access to water in schools is only possible because of your business. You know, it's the business is drive change. And so that for me was a complete revelation that businesses have the power to do good and to drive change and sustainable change that potentially lasts forever. And obviously, you know, business in the wrong hands also obviously has the power to do bad, for sure. (laughs) We can manipulate, we can control, we can dominate, we can, you know, we can do bad things. But business in the right hands with the right goals behind it has enormous potential for, for moving the world forward and for doing good for leveling playing fields, creating equality. I totally agree. And it's it's interesting because I think about this a lot. I think that it's a competitive advantage because oftentimes, you know, you're changing the landscape. When you come in from a nonprofit, you know, you show up with your, you know, nonprofit title, not that there's anything wrong with that, but oftentimes people are saying no even before you get in the door, right? And so I've found, I mean, in the case of the clean water initiative that I'm working on in Washington to clean up our water supply, our municipal water supply for everybody, you know, I'm sure there's been plenty of water organizations that have been in there. I'm not really sure why they haven't been able to do what I'm doing and are hoping to do. We're not done yet. But 
anyway, I think like that's such a key thing. You've done that in the travel agency as well as, you know, just setting up your fund as well. I mean, that too, but you know, in the beauty industry, I mean, Greg Renfrew had a podcast with her a few months back and beauty counter and what they've been able to do around clean ingredients. I mean, again, it's not to say that nonprofits haven't tried and that they're not valid. It's just they absolutely can do they a ton absolutely of can. It's how you create sustainable solutions. And and the challenge of a nonprofit is you always have to find funding mm-hmm. to keep funding funding. But a business has the possibility of creating a sustainable solution. I love it. Because it has to self-generate funds. And they're designed to be innovative. They're designed just by their very nature to solve a problem. And that's a very powerful thing. I love it. I love it. So what makes you unstoppable? I always ask this one last question. I could say drive, um, but I also think drive can be a bit of a a nemesis at times. What makes me unstoppable? I think probably my real answer to that is passion Mm -hmm. and caring and, and just believing that there is a better world to be created. Mm -hmm. I want to be part of that. And I care about seeing that come to life and believing that ah, we all have an opportunity, whatever we do to make a difference. And I think believing that I can make a difference makes me unstoppable. I love it. Well, you have built such an incredible brand in Under Canvas. It's undercanvas.com, everybody. And if you want to check out what Sarah is also doing, Enigma, E-N-Y-G-M-A, ventures.com. And Sarah is is also very active on, on social. Do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, I'm on at Sarah Dusick on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. And those are all the magical places, I think. I love it. I love it. Great. Well, thanks everybody for listening and definitely go in and give Sarah high reviews and reviews matter and also subscribe to Unstoppable. And we're now recording twice a week and very, very exciting for people. So we're picking out the best not only founders, entrepreneurs, but also just people who are leading change in all different kinds of industries. So if you know of other people that you want to hear from, definitely make suggestions and intros. We love getting those from people too. So have a great rest of the week, everybody. Bye-bye. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, But achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. 
You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.